Let's get back to more of this rich dialogue with Tavis Smiley. People change. People grow, especially in college. We're not the same people we were in high school. You're swimming with the big fish now. Remember that. Coming home can be triggering. Suddenly you reverting back to the old you and you don't even know it. Did you know Simone is back for Christmas? Christmas is a time for coming together and, and forgiveness and stuff. My man, did Spencer just vote to throw a party? I've dreamed about this moment for so long. <laughs> okay. You're either together or you're not. You gotta figure that out. I would never ask you to give up anything for me. Everybody yell, no justice, no peace. There isn't any other investigative piece that you could write about? Why does it have to be Spencer's team? You ready to get back on my field? That's what we do best, right? Our relationship is our business. We got a bad feeling about Coach Gary. If we're right, this could decimate the entire football program. All-American. We were just talking uh, on this program, by the way, in case you've just tuned in, I'm Tavis Smiley, and I'm delighted to have you with us in the last half hour of our program today. We were just talking, though, about uh, powerful, strong, brilliant, beautiful black women like Rebecca Lee Crumpler. We learned today that Rebecca Lee Crumpler was the first black female physician in this country back in 1864, one of the first to publish a medical book. Uh, I am mad at Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler and uh, uh appreciate Dr. McLeod for coming on to share more with her, with us, I should say, about the legacy of uh, this first black female physician. And speaking of black women, black female showrunners in Hollywood, where I sit today, are pretty rare. Uh, Inkechi Okoro Carroll is a writer, actor, and exec producer of the CW drama. You just heard some sound from the CW drama called All American. And I am pleased to welcome uh, Inkechi to this program. How are you today? I am wonderful. Thank you so much. How are you? I, if I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I am doing quite well, <laughs> and I'm delighted to have you on and to celebrate your uh, your success. Um, I, I hear that accent already. You you were not you were not born in Compton, California. I can tell by the accent. <laughs> I was not. I was actually uh, I was born in New York in Queens, mm-hmm. Jamaica States, and then um, my family is Nigerian, and so we moved back to Nigeria when I was. Uh, four years old, and then moved to the Cote d'Ivoire next door mm-hmm. when I was eight, and that became home for forever. Mm-hmm. Went to boarding school in England, became very British, mm-hmm. came back to the States for college, and now I have the accent I have. Yeah. What, what, what does all that moving around, and I, I love, and I, I say this all the time, I, I think that one of the best ways to be educated is travel. And I, I'm always telling people, um, that you got to get out, uh, and there's so many reasons. For, there's so many reasons for getting out. One, as I've said r- repeatedly, you can't appreciate this country for what it is, and you can't critique it for what it's not. It seems to me, and, and believe me, I've got some critiques uh, and some rebukes. <laughs> but you got to get out to see it from the outside. As, as, I, as I've said before, you, when you're on the parade, you can't. When you're on when you're on the float, rather, you can't see the parade. You got to get off the float sometimes, exactly. So you can see the exactly. entire parade and, and critique it in, higher, in whatever way you're going to critique it. But my, that's a long way of asking. Um, uh, uh, what 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 the takeaway is from moving around the world in the way that you did to who you are today? I mean, it it was such an unbelievable experience, and I didn't realize at the time that that wasn't normal because that was yeah. all I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and similar to my cousins and friends, there were a lot of us in West Africa who were sort of based there, but going to boarding schools either in the U.S. or in England. And in any given year, we want three different continents and 
again, it was all I knew. So to me, that felt normal, being a global citizen, feeling like the world was my oyster, mm-hmm. sort of getting comfortable in different cultures so easily. Um, all of that, I thought, was how everyone else was raised until I got to college and realized, yeah. oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> how, how, what how, I had was special and I'm grateful for oh, it. Oh, it's very, sure. very special. And, and, and how does your being a global citizen uh, allow you, or through what prism, as a global citizen, do you see the world and all of its madness in real time? I mean, there's a. Um, I feel like I, I, because of how I was raised, I have an innate ability to sort of put myself in in another culture and look at what is happening from their perspective. Mm-hmm. It's so easy for us to sit where we are and sort of comment on what's happening in the world from our our place of privilege, no matter. Even even as black Americans, there's still a place of privilege compared to a lot of what's happening outside of this country and the world. And I think it's so easy to pass judgment on that. Have you not lived in that place, experienced that culture, experienced the sort of different things that are happening from their perspective? And that's the thing that I think I'm most grateful for. And, and I, I don't know, maybe it's responsible for my empathy. Maybe I would have been a uh, an empathetic person regardless, mm-hmm. but I feel like going in and out of so many cultures and so many continents at any given year um, to the point where it was normalized in my brain that that's just what you do from a very young age, I think um, very much shaped how I approach people and their stories and um, their lives. And it's it's honestly what I want most for my kids. I'm raising two black boys in America. And more than anything, I'm like, we need to get you out and seeing the world beyond islands, but actual, real countries, cities, cultures, so that they, again, like you said, you can't critique or be grateful for um, if you haven't experienced anything outside of this. And I want them to be global citizens and not just, you know, black Americans. Nope. I I am pushing my way toward the stories that you tell. And you understand why this backstory, this foundation is so important to me because it will help people understand better uh, how you become a showrunner and the stuff that you are are running. (laughs) Um, Let me ask this question right quick and we'll move forward. Um, Given that you have, come on, I want to be, I want to be gentle here. Given that you have lived amongst and walked amongst both the colonizers and the mm-hmm. colonized, you see where I'm going here. You lived in Nigeria and Cote d'Ivoire. You lived in England, so you've lived and walked and worked amongst the colonized and the colonizers. What do I make of that? What do I take away from that? You know what's interesting? I actually never. It wasn't until <laughs> it wasn't until I came to the states mm-hmm. that I was actually ever that it was really sort of thrown in my face that I was other. Mm-hmm. Growing up in Nigeria, growing up in the Cote d'Ivoire, even when I was leaving to go to boarding school in England and come back, there was such a sense of power and self and. Um, the the ability to be anything I wanted because everyone around me looked like me. The presidents mm-hmm. looked like me. Oh, the yeah. bankers looked like me. The janitor <laughs> workers looked like me. The teachers looked like me. Yeah. So the world was my oyster. There was never any feeling of being less than. Um, and then when I went to boarding school in England and, you know, you, you get all the, the nonsense and it's like, oh, do you guys live in huts and trees? Mm-hmm. And do you? And But by then I was so there was such a foundation of who I was that I always saw it as their ignorance, not mine. Mm -hmm. And I always, even at 11 years old, which is how old I was when I first um, left for boarding school for seventh grade, um, that there was such, I'd been raised with such a sense of 
power yeah. um, that it didn't phase me. I was just like, oh, you need to be educated. Copy. Got that. That's part of, <laughs> part of why I'm here. Um, yeah. And so it really didn't become a thing until I came back to the States for college. And there was such a, and I had a really strong British accent at the time. So there was such a, yeah. oh, you can't be black and British or, oh, there was so much you can't be. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, listen, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what happened in your youth, mm-hmm. um, but I can be yeah. um, all the things with all the accents <laughs> and anything I want to be. And so it was just, it was such an interesting way to be sort of reintroduced to what it means sure. to be black in America from, from all this perspectives. Right? So, so, yeah, so, so the thing, the thing that I'm cracking up about is that you, <laughs> is that you, you have all these experiences uh, and your name is in Casey Okoro Carroll, and you end up being a showrunner for a program called All American. If that ain't funny, I don't know what is. We'll unpack that uh, when we come forward with Nkechi on Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Sounds, Sounds different. different. Huh. This, this, this is Smiley. Trying to manage my time is getting away from me uh, with our guest uh, Nkechi Okoro Carroll. Uh, again, uh, black female showrunner is very rare in Hollywood, but she's wound up and doing quite well. Whether it's All American or All American Homecoming or Found, her new show, um, she's a busy sister. But she took out thirty minutes at least to talk to us about the stuff she's working on. So, Nkechi, uh, how does one with all of that experience end up producing a show called All American? I thought it was pretty funny, actually. <laughs> things. One is, you know, the the all-American title in sports, you know, is synonymous with a level of excellence, sure, right? Sure. And so <laughs> us Nigerians are, are, are known for being very uh, loud and proud about sort of the our work ethic and, you know, the level of excellence we demand of ourselves and that our parents demand of us as mm-hmm. we pursue whatever field it is. And so from that perspective, I understood the heart of all all-American, the heart of a young boy with what should be an impossible dream, who's unwilling to let it go and do everything it takes to make it to the NFL. For me, it was making it from Nigeria to being a showrunner in Hollywood. That's a crazy dream um, that should feel impossible for someone like me, and yet here I am. And so from that level, I absolutely related to the idea for that show. And then also, my son is Spencer James, except with basketball. And so I am raising a young student athlete who has a dream of playing professional basketball and has put his everything into it and watching that and how he navigates that in high school. I mean, he often complains I'm putting his life on the screen and I'm like, no comment. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Tell me, tell me about your new show found. Um, thank you. My uh, new show found, it's a, a missing person show on NBC, but it's so much more than that because um, it's really a show about finding the missing people that the rest of the country has deemed uh, disposable, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, that starts with our black girls, right? Our black and brown girls, um, and that it's any marginalized community. It's the LGBTQ plus community. It's our indigenous brothers and sisters. You know, you, there's a certain profile of person that tends to get the most media attention when they go missing. We can all recite their name. Oh, yeah. But then 
the, if you're like, oh, you know, there was a young missing black girl in D.C., everyone looks at you sort of with a blank face. No one can pull that name. No one can yeah. pull that face. And if we don't know them, we can't look for them. Yeah. And I was very frustrated by that in real life. And so, you know, I see my keyboard as my weapon of choice. And so I was like, mm-hmm. what can I do with my art to draw attention to this so that our, our kids are making it home safe, so yeah. that our brothers and sisters and parents are making it home safe? I, and that was where the idea for found came from. I just love how you... Uh, very quickly here, I just love how you flip the frame. Uh, the frame is always children, people missing. You flip mm-hmm. it and call it found, which I thought was pretty brilliant. Absolutely, because yeah. I, I need light at the end of the tunnel. I right. need rainbows and unicorns and gummy bears and all the things. Mm. So if I was going to do a show like this that by nature is sort of heartbreaking when you think about people being taken or missing, but I wanted to have light at the end of the tunnel. It's called found for a reason because I want to focus yeah. on these marginalized communities receiving their joy. They deserve happy endings just as much as anyone else. Well, and there is a, a sort of thil- thriller through line mm-hmm. in the show, but because, you know, I got to keep the audiences coming back. There you go. Um, we will we will have a happy ending when we come forward in our remaining moments with Nkechi Okoro Carroll, one of the rare black women showrunners in Hollywood. Are you listening to right now on Tavis Smiley? For all the freedom-loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? ideas. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. So, Nkechi, I just got about four minutes left here, and I want to cover a few things right quick here. What is it like? uh, What is it like navigating Hollywood as a black woman showrunner? Oh, my goodness. You said we have four minutes? Yeah, I know. I know. That's not fair. That's not fair. (laughs) You know what? what You know what I'll say is um, mentorship and having... um, people who believed in me to the point where they wouldn't take any of the nonsense and Mm -hmm. helped me force those doors open Mm -hmm. has absolutely been the the secret sauce to my success. And it's why I feel so strongly about mentorship and giving back. And it's why it's a requirement at my production company and quite frankly on any of my shows that anyone who works on them in any department must give back in terms of bringing up the next generation behind them because it Mm -hmm. is what was done. People like Gina Prince-Bythewood, Sure. People like Reggie Bitewood, um, Greg Berlanti, they, Zoanne Clack, they all were so instrumental in making sure, Yvette Lee Bowser, mm-hmm. you know, making sure these opportunities were, um, I was given the opportunities to sort of show what I can do and run with it. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's been, that's been a, such the positive side of sort of being a black female showrunner and being mm-hmm. welcomed into sort of this elite group. Yeah. and. Tavis, I love what I do. I am so grateful to do what I do. I love my job. Even with the stresses and everything that come with it, yeah. I get to put stories that matter and that change the world in people's households and hopefully maybe change a heart or two along the way. No, and that's, look, quite frankly, all I can ask for. No, loving, loving what you do is, uh, is, is more than half the battle. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah. it's, I was just reading some stats the other day, as a matter of fact, uh, in Keiichi, uh, reading some stats about the average American worker, and the numbers are startling. I mean, it's like in the 80th percentile of African of, of, of Americans, rather, Americans who hate their jobs. I mean, the overwhelming yeah. number of folk in this country literally hate the jobs they go to every day. So if you go to a job every day or do the work and witness that you're engaged in, for you it's not a job, it's your vocation, your calling, your purpose. Absolutely. If you love that, and that's half the battle right there. So I, I, I celebrate the fact that you love it so much. Uh, let me ask you right quick about, um, speaking of uh, paying it forward, tell me quickly about Black Women Who Brunch. 
So, yes, um, I started a black female TV writers group called Black Women Who Brunch. I founded it uh, with Lena Waithe and um, Erica Johnson, who are, I mean, everyone knows who Lena is, two phenomenal black female writers in this business as well. Um, And we started it when we were very young in our careers because we were so frustrated with people sort of telling us we were the unicorns Mm -hmm. and that they couldn't find other black women like us. And we knew that was nonsense. As much as we are good at what we do and love what we do, we knew others like us. But we couldn't roll their names off our tongues. And so we decided to do something about it. And so it started as 12 women in my living room um, nine years ago. And it is now 260 working black female TV writers, everything from, from baby staff writers all the way up to executive yeah. producers. So I don't ever want to hear anyone tell me they can't find a black female writer in TV. Uh, you can find her. Just Google her. and You'll learn a great deal more about her than I had time to even uh, empower you with. Her name is Nkechi Okoro Carol. That's spelled N-K-E-C-H-I Okoro. O-K-O-R-O Carol. Nkechi Okoro Carol is her name. Uh, you've seen it on the credits uh, many times if you're watching her stuff. And many many people obviously are watching her stuff given all the success she has had and continues to have. This was a short conversation, Nkechi. We've got to do this again when you got more time. Anytime. Thank you so much for having me, Tavis. Good to have you on. All the best you